Well, good morning, Orchard Hills. How's everybody doing this morning? It is an honor to get to be with you today to, um, to share the Word of God together. Um, and lately, Scott has been sharing our burden um, for us to not just be disciples, which we've been talking about for a couple years now, um, but to also make disciples, because that's part of what it really means to be one, uh, someone who lives and loves and leads like Jesus. And so at the beginning of this year, we started talking a little bit about personal evangelism, and we talked about uh, making a frank list, a list of people in your life who you want to see know the Lord. Uh, we talked about a method for doing that, a bless, a way that's um, speaking the good news and showing the good news, a holistic way of reaching out to people. But last week, um, Scott shared that just trying to reach out and um, influence someone's life for the better isn't really enough. Um, just trying to make some kind of positive impact in a person's life isn't really sufficient. Um, and it's because in our own strength, we can do nothing that will last for eternity. Jesus says in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Scott said it this way. He said, in order to produce eternal results, eternal power is required. You see, our own power or the world's power is not enough. And it might look good or strong or flashy for a little while, but in the end, it cannot produce anything that lasts for eternity. It can't bring dead people to life. And so we need a different power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to be spending a little more time um, in Acts 1 and 2. Um, and don't worry if you're getting anxious. We're not going to preach through the whole book of Acts all over again like we did a couple years ago. But we're, in these coming weeks, just going to spend a little more time in Acts 1 and 2 um, looking at who the Holy Spirit is and what He's equipped us to do who we are as witnesses, and, and the call that God has on each of our lives. And so what I have to say today is, is twofold. Um, one, you can't talk about what God has done in your life if you haven't seen God do anything in your life. Um, my friend Sam Belcher says that in Young Life, they say um, that you can only take people as far as you have already gone yourself. Um, and my friend John Spees put it this way this week. He said, you can't be a witness if you haven't been a witness. You can't say, hey, this is what the Lord's doing in my life if you haven't witnessed him doing anything. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And then two, maybe we aren't seeing God do a whole lot in our lives because we're expecting him to do this thing, but what he's trying to do is this, this separate thing, this unexpected thing. And so we're going to see that in our passage today um, and in what the disciples are asking Jesus. Um, if you will, go ahead and turn to Acts 1, um, verses 6 through 8. That's what we're going to look at. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. As Scott said, uh, last week he talked about the first five verses. This is the Apostle Luke writing. He, he wrote um, the Gospel of Luke and um, here he's writing in addition the gospel or the, the acts of the apostles or the acts of Jesus through his people. Um, and it begins with Jesus having risen from the dead. Um, and then for 40 days he shares with his disciples um, about the kingdom of God. Uh, and then he says, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then this is what comes next. Verse 6. 
It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know. Times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to know you more. We want to hear your voice this morning through your word. And I pray that it's heard through uh, the way that I expound it. Lord, I am keenly aware that uh, my ability to speak um, does not have any ability to produce change in a person's heart, but your word does. Um, And so, Holy Spirit, as we we think back to that uh, Pentecost day so many years ago, um, this is is Pentecost Sunday, and so um, we pray that you would cut to our hearts uh, the same way that you cut uh, to people's heart when they heard the word. Um, We pray that you would reveal to us more of who you are, more of your heart for us here at Orchard Hills, um, more of your heart for us as individuals. Lord, we love you. We want to know you more. Thank you for this time. Um, We give it to you and ask that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage today begins with a question that to us may sound kind of strange. Um, The disciples or apostles ask, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What do they mean? Well, recently, Scott has been sharing that the kingdom of God is his spiritual reign and rule in the hearts of his people. And Jesus spoke about this kingdom all through the Gospels. He kept saying, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is coming. Um, It's a part of the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, But it can feel vague and kind of hard to get our minds around sometimes. And so here's, here's another way to say it that might be helpful. If Jesus is in charge of your life, then you are a part of his kingdom. If you are in charge of your life, then you're a part of Satan's kingdom. It's that simple. But the thing about these two kingdoms is that Satan's kingdom often looks flashy and good and powerful and normal and like that's what everybody's doing. And Jesus's kingdom often looks a little confusing and kind of small and humble, um, a little difficult and down to earth. And the disciples um, were still trying to figure this out because they expected the kingdom to look one way, but Jesus was saying, no, it looks very different than what you expect. Part of why this was hard for them is that um, as Jews growing up in the first century, they had this set of expectations about what the Messiah, who Jesus said he was, what the Messiah would, would do and who he would be when he showed up. So all throughout the Old Testament, there's these prophecies that a Messiah is coming. Messiah means anointed one, someone who's chosen by God to to finally bring in his kingdom, to finally fulfill all of the promises that God has has been giving throughout history. But what most people expected was that when the Messiah showed up, his reign would immediately be physical, that it would be strong military power, that he would be conquering the enemies of God, pushing the Romans out of the land of Israel, giving the land back to them, and setting them gloriously free to enjoy what was rightfully theirs. But what they did not expect was that God was not going to do all that yet, and that rather he was going to begin his reign spiritually in the hearts of people, and that it would come about gradually in the physical. 
And so that's what they're asking about here. They're saying, okay, Jesus, well, we didn't expect you to be all humble and low-key, and we definitely didn't expect you to die, but we also didn't expect you to rise, and that was pretty cool. So are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you now going to do all that stuff that we thought you were going to do? Um, because the prophets seem to be saying that, but you don't seem very intent on conquering the Romans. Um, so what's up with that? And what does Jesus say? Well, classic Jesus. He doesn't say yes, and he doesn't say no. Um, he says, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. Now let's stop here, because I don't want us to miss something that is absolutely critical. What's happening is that Jesus um, was taking what everyone thought he was going to do and saying, I am doing everything that was prophesied now. I'm just doing it spiritually in people's hearts. And later it will come about physically. But for now, you are going to have to live in the middle. You are going to have to live in this in-between space where there's tension and where it's a little uncomfortable. And this is what theologians call the already not yet of the kingdom of God. The fact that Jesus showed up and said the kingdom is here and he inaugurated it. He started this, this redemption plan of God, but it's not yet consummated. It's not yet fulfilled in its fullness. Um, and so we live in this in-between time um, where there's still a lot that God has promised, to, promised us that we are hoping and waiting to see fulfilled. It looks a little bit like this. Jesus has defeated the great enemy, death. But people still die. Jesus has defeated sin's power, but we are not yet free from sin's presence. Jesus has set us free spiritually, but there are many believers all over the world who are still living in all kinds of bondage physically. Jesus has saved us, but the Bible also says that we are still being saved. Jesus is making all things new, but we are still living in a very broken world. And so what this means is that you and I need to get comfortable with living in the in-between. And that's hard for us, because we really don't want to. Like I said, just like the disciples, we've got this expectation about what Jesus should do in our lives, and that when we come to him, he's going to fix everything and make it all better. But what he's wanting to do is something totally different, something that's hard for us to anticipate or expect. And so this is hard for us to hear because what we want is a quick fix, but what Jesus is offering is a process. What we want is a formula, but what Jesus offers is a roadmap. What we want is some simple rules to follow or regulations to go by, um, but what Jesus offers is a relationship that is a little bit complicated sometimes, that takes time and effort and energy and listening. What we want is a quick pill to pop or a shot in the arm. But what Jesus offers is a healthy diet and a workout plan. That's what it's like to live in the in-between. It's hard. It's not that quick fix that we're wanting. But here's why this is so so key to realize, and I, I, don't, I don't want us to miss this. If you don't realize this, following Jesus is going to be really confusing and frustrating. 
You're just going to be frustrated trying to follow Jesus. You're going to lose trust in God when bad things happen here because you're like, wait, I thought everything was going to be good and fixed now. You're not going to have hope for the glorious future that is coming and that is promised because you're thinking all this is supposed to happen now. And you're like, well, this wasn't that much. You didn't do that much for me, Jesus. And you're going to walk away like so many people did during Jesus' earthly ministry. But man, if you can get this, if we can get this, if we recognize that the goal right now is expanding his kingdom through people's hearts, and so we don't need to sit back and relax and gather things around us and store up for ourselves, but instead we can spend eternity resting and relaxing and enjoying all that God has given us, all that he's promised us with him and with his people in a new and perfect world, man, then you're ready to roll. Then you're ready to give your life away for the the kingdom. Then you're ready to be a disciple who makes disciples. And then our church will really be a, a group of people who are investing in people for eternity. That's the vision of this church, if you don't know. That's what we have on our website. That's what's on the wall as soon as you come in. That's what's on the the wall of our offices. People investing in people for eternity. And it happens here in the in-between. But again, maybe we aren't seeing God show up and do this stuff in our lives because we're expecting that quick fix. And he's wanting to do something totally different. So what is that totally different thing that he's wanting to do? Well, Jesus tells the disciples right away in verse, verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's his plan. So Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to live in this in-between time. I'm asking you to live in this tension, trusting and knowing that I'm good and that I hold all authority and that I'm going to fulfill everything that I've promised. But I'm asking you to trust me. And for now, I have given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you my own power so that you can be my witness. And so, friends, this is the heart of, of what I'm wanting to say today. I think what the Lord is wanting to say to us. God's plan to change your life, and indeed the whole world, is through you being a spirit-empowered witness. It's not the quick fix. This is what it looks like. You being a spirit-empowered witness. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's unpack this. If you're like me, the word witness strikes a little bit of fear in your heart in a church context. Um, The church culture that I grew up in, people would go out witnessing And um, what they meant when they used that word was that they would go out on the town, go up to random strangers, and do a little something like this. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Excuse me, sir. Time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Excuse me, sir. Can anybody relate to that? Maybe you've uh, seen those people. Maybe you've been those people. <laughs> but no, no, nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be chasing other people like that. Uh, nobody wants to be being chased like that. And so what is Jesus saying? Um, well, notice he doesn't say, I want you to go out witnessing. <laughs> he says, you will be my witnesses. That's a totally different thing. And so being a witness 
as first something that you are before it's something that you do. So, what is a witness? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, Biblically, it is someone who has seen or heard something. Um, Later on in the book of Acts, in in Acts 22, Paul is sharing his testimony with his his fellow Hebrews, and he remembers um, how he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Um, and how the bright light came upon him. He heard the voice, voice of God. He lost his vision. He's taken into town, and this man, Ananias, shares the gospel with him, shares what Jesus has done, and, and Paul is converted. He comes to know the Lord. Um, he regains his sight, and Ananias says this, you, Paul, will be his witness to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Merriam-Webster defines it this way, a witness is one that gives evidence or one who has personal knowledge of something. Personal knowledge. Now that kind of simplifies it, doesn't it? God has certainly called you to speak up and to speak out for him, but he has not called you to accost strangers. What he has called you to do is to be a witness. He's called you to experience him, to see him and hear him, to know who he is, and then to just tell your story just to testify about what you have seen and heard. I saw a quote the other day that said this. It says, you are the leading expert on what Jesus has done in your life. No one can tell what Jesus has done in your life better than you can. That's your story. That's your experience. And he has uniquely equipped each one of us to tell a piece of the story. He has not asked us to Bible beat anyone. What he has asked us to do is just to be a witness. But maybe you're thinking, I'm not a witness. I haven't really experienced the Lord in my life. I can't point to any situations. And if that's you, then that's great. Really, that's a great place to be because you know where you are. And like John said, you can't be a witness until you've been a witness. And so my invitation to you is just what Scott's was last week. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive his baptism. Ask him to come upon you. Ask to be immersed in his love and his heart for you. He, he is ready and waiting to reveal himself to you. You only have to ask. You only have to ask. But I think a lot of us don't really want him. He's a little unpredictable. And really, if we're honest, a lot of us want, want the benefits of the kingdom, but without the king. Friend, if you're here today and you haven't experienced God personally, I just want you to know that you can't, um, you can't know God just from riding off someone else's coattails, like your parents or a friend. You're not a Christian because you go to church. You're not a Christian because you're an American, or you were raised in the South, or you live in the Bible Belt. You're not even a Christian because you believe in Jesus. The Apostle James says that even the demons believe and shudder. But you're a Christian if you've personally experienced God's work in your life and have surrendered to Him and have a story to tell. Or maybe you're thinking, um, this is all great for you because you work at a church. I've got a lot going on. Life is hard, and there's a lot of bills, and it's a rough culture out there these days. 
I just can't focus on this right now. I just can't make this a priority. But that is exactly what we have been trying to, to push back on in these recent months. The idea that you can be a follower of Jesus and not also a witness to Jesus is not biblical Christianity. It might be cultural Christianity, but it's not in the Bible. It's not what God requires of you. And get this, it's not what's best for you. It's not his plan for you. His plan is that you be empowered to be a witness. And so this is the process that Jesus is offering us. This is the roadmap that we're to follow. God's plan for your life and to change your life and to change the world is that you be a spirit-empowered witness. But like I said before, that's not often what we want. Like the disciples, we want Jesus to fix everything in our lives right now. We want the restoration now. We want the kingdom right now. And so we say, Jesus, if you'll just take care of this issue in my life, then I'll follow you. If you just clean up this mess over here, then I'll go and make disciples. And Jesus says, no. We're not going to do it that way. Because I'm God and you're not. I am going to make all things new. I am going to right all the wrongs of this world. I am going to make you whole. I promise. But when I do that is not for you to know. For now, I have empowered you with my own spirit so that you would be my witness. That's his plan. But what do we say? We say, Lord, will you at this time heal my body? It's not for you to know. I've empowered you to be my witness. Lord, will you at this time solve all my financial problems? It's not for you to know. I've empowered you to be my witness. Lord, will you provide me with a spouse? Will you provide me with that relationship that I've been longing for? It's not for you to know. You've received power to be my witness. Lord, will you at this time get me out of that job that I can't stand and provide me that job that I'm longing for? It's not for you to know. You've received power to be my witness. But Lord, will you at this time get me out of that hard relationship, this hard situation, this hard experience? He says, my child, it's not for you to know. The Father has fixed those times by his own authority. But you have received power, my own spirit, so that you can be my witness. Church, this is God's plan for us. His plan to change our lives and to change the whole world is that we would be a spirit-empowered witness. But I'm afraid that many of us have bought into the lie that one day we'll get around to doing the very thing that God says will change our lives. That once something changes, then we'll get around to obeying God. But he says, no, obey. Do what I've called you to do and then watch me provide for everything else. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, Seek first my kingdom, and then all these things will be added to you. But we get so stuck, and we say, No, Lord, I just need this one thing, and then I'll follow you. Just do this one thing for me, and then I'll trust you. Just solve this one sticky situation, and then, and then I'll surrender. 
And we spend our whole life never prioritizing the one thing that Jesus says will change everything. Church, this is God's plan for us. Do we not trust him? Do we not believe that his heart is good? Do we not believe that he knows and he cares and he made us and he knows how life works best? So where does this leave us today? Well, if you're here today and you're realizing that you're not a witness, that you haven't experienced Jesus, then I mean what I said, that's great because you know where you are. And God is ready and waiting to work in your life. Jesus says this in Luke um, eleven thirteen. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He promises to give himself. You only have to ask. We only have to ask. Don't settle for secondhand accounts of who God is. Don't spend your whole life going to church and missing God. Just ask him to show up in your life, and he will. He will. And then you'll actually be a witness. Maybe you're here today and you have witnessed God's work in your life, but it's been a long time. Maybe 5, 10, 15 years, and you're just kind of running on fumes at this point. Maybe you need to hit the, the refresh button, you know, like on the computer when you, the page is just kind of dead and frozen and you hit refresh. And it's like, oh, hey, we were doing something here. Or maybe it's like shaking the mouse and your, your computer wakes up. Just ask God to shake you, to wake you up, to remind you again who he is, how he loves you. His heart for you is so good. And he has so much in store for you. Again, don't be afraid to ask. Just ask. And maybe you're here today and you are a witness and you're experiencing the Lord in your life. You're seeing him moving and working, but you're struggling to speak up, to talk about what you've seen and heard and, and to testify. Maybe you feel nervous and you struggle to, to know what to say. It's a hard culture to stand up in right now. It's a hard culture to know how to be kind and to know how to take a stand for the truth. But know this, that you are not alone. His very spirit is living inside you. You're his. And Jesus has promised all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I'm, I'm taking care of this story. I've got you. You can trust me. And he says, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age is the end of this in-between period that we're longing to be out of, that we're longing to not feel the tension of anymore. He promises to be with us. And friends, we're, we're together too. That's, this is our, our job here at the church to equip us um, all for the work of ministry, for being witnesses. Um, and so as Scott said, we're working on uh, things and resources to help equip us to do just this. Um, but far beyond that, we have his spirit living inside of us. And if any of us is feeling weak or discouraged or, or downtrodden today, then the Lord says this, the same thing he said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough, for my power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, 
so that the power of Christ may rest on me. If you're feeling weak today, if you're struggling to know how to be a witness, then again, you're in a great spot because that's right where the Holy Spirit's power shines. And so friends, please know that um, neither Scott nor myself nor any of the other leadership are trying to condemn us but we're looking at our church and we're looking at ourselves um, and we're just not seeing a whole lot of us being witnesses. We're not seeing a whole lot of us experiencing the Lord and telling our stories. We're not seeing a whole lot of people come to faith because they're hearing those stories. And so we just think the answer is to be honest, um, not to say, oh, well, you know, it's the culture out there and they're just a bunch of heathens and, you know, when things change in our country, then, then we'll really be witnesses. Um, and the answer is not to say, oh, well, it's old so-and-so, or it's that guy, or it's this person in my life who's holding me back, or it's our government, or anyone else. And we also believe the answer isn't to say, oh, well, we're actually doing pretty good in some areas, and so this is just not going to be that important. The answer is just to be honest and to own it and say, Lord, we need you. Would you come and fill us in a whole new way? The answer is just to ask. And so my challenge for all of us, for those who have yet to experience the Lord, um, for those who've experienced Him, but maybe it's been a long time um, since you've had a fresh ex encounter with the Lord, um, and for those who are experiencing Him and struggling to share their stories, um, my challenge to all of us is, will you join us in asking? Will you join us in asking for more of the Lord? Like I said, we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit um, and His role in our lives. Um, if you get our daily devotions, uh, you can sign up for those on our website. We, this week we're going through a version Bible plan, and the one for this week is Dangerous Prayers. And so we're going to be asking the Lord some, some hard things, some risky things. And so would you just join us and ask the Lord to show up in your life. Ask for an encounter with Him so that you might have a story to share. And friends, don't get me wrong, there is a lot of good stuff happening here at Orchard Hills. There is so much good that is flowing out of this place to the community around. I love being a part of this church. I love bringing my family here to worship. I love being on staff, and it's an honor to serve you all here. But we're just, we're just wanting more. We're just wanting the Lord to revive us and to do something fresh and new, to stir us up, to give us stories that we might see people come to Him for the first time. And so would you join us in asking? We're excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we just want to submit ourselves to you anew this morning. You are the king. And Lord, I repent for the ways that I long for the kingdom apart from the way that you've ordained it to happen. I'm sorry for the ways that I... Um, just want the quick fix and not this process that you have ordained, that you've chosen for us. Lord, forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for not believing that the power of your Holy Spirit is enough, more than enough for all of the struggles we face in life. Oh Lord, would you call us to new surrender? Would you call us to new obedience today? 
Lord, I hear what you said to Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones live? Lord, only you know. Would you stir up the dry bones in our, in our hearts and would you um, just make us a, a group of people who are alive with your presence, alive with your, your fire, excited to spend our lives investing in others for eternity. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you do something new among us? Would you revive our hearts? We want more of you. We love you, Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.